This episode of Command Edit is brought to you by Studio Network Solutions. Their Evo shared storage systems are for post-production workgroups ranging anywhere from one to four users, all the way to state-of-the-art post facilities with over a petabyte of storage. Every Evo includes their easy-to-use media management software for organizing, tagging, and finding your media across all of your storage devices, even external, local, and cloud services. On top of that, all of their Evo systems have native Avid project bin sharing, project locking for Adobe Premiere, library sharing for Final Cut Pro X, and a bunch of other workflow features you and your team will love. To learn more about Evo shared storage systems, visit studionetworksolutions.com slash command edit. guys what is up josh short here for the command edit podcast thank you so much for joining us nick has the week off today and that's because i have a special guest and we're going to be talking uh, about a topic that i know a lot of you are interested in and that is starting a career in video editing and we're going to be talking with somebody who's doing exactly that Grace Novak, uh, she's a friend of the show and a friend of what I do over on Edit Video Faster, and I'm excited to have her on as our guest today. We're going to discuss her transition from student to professional, how she juggles freelance video editing with school, uh, how she networks, we're going to talk about demo reels and websites, and so much more stuff that's important if you are starting your career in video editing. All right, guys, let's jump into our interview with Grace Novak. All right, Grace, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, So we're going to talk about um, basically starting a career uh, in the video editing industry. And uh, you are currently a student, part-time freelancing, about to make that jump into the professional world. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I still have a year and a half before I graduate. So I have a little bit of ways away into, you know, being able to have time for a full time job. But until then, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. Great. Yeah. So I think for this conversation, we want to kind of talk about how you are, you know, doing how you are getting your way, you know, into the industry, getting your foot in the door, and kind of how some other people who are in your position or or who will be in your position soon can kind of learn from that. You're in school right now, so how much time does that take up compared to like how much time you're freelancing and networking and doing all those sorts of things? Well, I'm a full-time student, so basically every semester, I'm, you know, about three days out of the week, I'm in class. Maybe one of those days is a half day. So the other, the other times I'm doing freelancing work, so maybe that'll be during the weekends or on my day off during the week. And then currently, I'm also doing an internship, and that's sort of what helps me pay the bills and what also gives me editing work that I'm getting paid for, which is fun and trying, you know, new kinds of work. But so, yeah, that's kind of how I use my free time when I have it. I just don't have a ton of it. So I'm not able to do a lot of like full time assisting jobs, which is is disappointing, but it's it's part of the you know, it's part of the process. Yeah. So what kind of work are you doing like at your internship or that side work that you are able to pick up? It's all editing work. So the internship I'm in right now is actually editing like these short educational videos that they put on their YouTube and that they give to their clients and it's it's nothing too complicated. And then the freelancing work I'm doing, I do like small editing things for people, like either working on short films that 
people are doing a lot of, especially a lot of students. I work on a lot of student films and that includes um, students in my own program. And I also do coloring work. I recently started doing, um, you know, colorist work and it's a lot of fun. I'm actually really enjoying that. Oh, what kind of coloring work are you doing? Are you using Resolve or? Yeah, I'm using Resolve. I've, I've been using it for about a year now and I'm really liking it. I'm, I'm also learning it in class. So it goes along pretty well with my uh, curriculum, but Right now, I'm actually working on a, a short web series, and it's been a lot of fun. Oh, what's a web series about? It's about these uh, three roommates who all have uh, superpowers. <laughs> it's pretty cool, and they're all living in New York, of course. Oh, living in New York like you. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier. Yes. Yes, I am. So at your internship, are you getting to work with any other editors at all? Um, no, not in this particular internship. Actually, most of the internships I've done, I'm usually the only editor. A lot of times it's companies that um, haven't like made the break into deciding that like they need a full-time editor on the team. Like It doesn't always make sense financially for them. So they usually have part-timers, freelancers, or interns come in and do just small editing projects, like something that they're trying out usually, like as far as moving into digital marketing. Yeah, so with, with those sorts of things, are you able to experiment a little bit or are you able to kind of, you know, have, have a little bit more of a uh, say in the direction of it? There, I Yeah, I usually do have a pretty good say. Most of the places I've worked for are, are open to, you know, hearing my ideas and knowing that I have done, you know, I do this somewhat professionally and I've been, you know, learning this in school. They're pretty open to what I think, but a lot of the times I'm also, you know, needing to stick to the brand and stick to what's also safe for them, which makes sense. But a lot of times I've been also experimenting with motion graphics, which is a lot of fun. And just, I haven't really been able to do that before. So I kind of slip that work into the editing that I do when I'm there. And that's a, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. So most of your uh, motion graphics, you're doing that in After Effects, I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, are, are, you, are you learning After Effects in school? We actually just started a class. This semester is my first class in After Effects, and it's a it's a motion graphics class. And our first project is creating a title sequence. So I'm I'm really excited for that because I do have while I have experience in After Effects, it's all self taught. So I'm interested in learning, you know, being educated in animation uh, principles and stuff like that. Uh, so it's interesting for me because I'm about eight years removed from graduating and I was kind of at that stage where things were transitioning over from SD to HD um, and just mm -hmm. like After Effects it wasn't a fringe program but like it wasn't a necessary thing so it wasn't really ever taught at least at my school um, and in my program so I'm, I'm glad that people are students are learning After Effects now. Uh, as far as, you know, editing for yourself, like for, you know, I feel like school projects, you know, you, you edit for yourself a lot of the time, but when you work for a company, you're kind of editing for others. Uh, you know, it's kind of their vision. It's, you know, they're the ones who get to say, you know, it's done at the end of the day. Uh, are you having an adjustment? Do you have to adjust to that at all? Or is it kind of an easy transition for you? It's definitely an adjustment. And a, a big thing is, you know, for a school project, you really feel like you have a safety net where you I, I always want to turn out a great product, of course, but I'm, I'm less worried about failing or disappointing somebody. But with, you know, working with clients and working with people who are paying me, it's it's more stressful. So I've been sort of adjusting to not feeling so anxious about um, the work that I'm doing and feeling like it's going to be okay, like I'll get it done. I know how to do this and I can handle it. I just need to be less worried about the uh, the final result. Yeah, so I know working 
with um, uh, fresh out of college editors like I have in the past, I know something that was very difficult for them was that their vision of the project um, was different from, you know, the boss's vision from the project. And they had a, a very difficult time coming to terms with, uh, you know, I wanted to look a certain way versus the way that it had to look. So uh, I, it, it's good that you are adjusting to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally under, like, I'm to the point where I've had also like many internships. So I kind of totally understand this idea of, you know, at the end of the day, it's what they say goes and what you think about it is sort of irrelevant. Like you just need to get the job done and make it something that they love. And that's what's important. Right. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a little demoralizing, you know, when you're break, <laughs> breaking in like, oh, like, like, I don't my, my thoughts don't matter as much as as they used to. Uh, but yeah, I think it's yeah. just definitely something that gets kind of beaten into you. Definitely. So you are in a great networking area in New York City. and But I do feel like, you know, everyone can network wherever they are. Doesn't necessarily have to be in one of these large cities. But for you specifically in New York, um, are you doing anything to kind of put yourself out there? I definitely am. Um, this is sort of the first time that I've decided to try networking. You know, when I was in undergrad um, in the DC area, I was sort of terrified that word very much scared me because, you know, as an editor, we're all kind of introverted. We don't really want to meet new people. That's very scary. But since I've been here, I've really kind of broken out of that shell and have been reaching out to people that I admire or people whose work that I really like. I've also joined the Blue Collar Post Collective, which is a really great group of editors who sort of operate on both the east and west coast and they have meetups here so it's been really cool getting to meet some people and some editors and talk to them about their careers and they've been giving me so much good advice and I guess what I didn't realize was how friendly everyone would be I thought it was more of like a, an exclusive thing where they were going to kind of push you out but it seems like everyone wants each other to do good at least the editors do I don't know about the other parts of the industry but <laughs> editors are very nice yeah it's it's funny like I've had differing experiences based on kind of where I've tried to network and you know I'm Northern Virginia DC you know it's where I've always been but I've, I've tried to network in other cities before and you know I feel like some places are much more open to the quote-unquote competition you know the other editors in the area uh, so that's good that you are are fitting in uh, there. Are there unfriendly cities that you've encountered? Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. So uh, what we had a uh, uh, Rachel Bogan on the podcast uh, while sometime last year, and we both had the same exact um, experience. Uh, at least, if I if I recall correctly, we both had a a really difficult time networking in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, um, so, yeah, I mean, and this was you know eight years ago at this point, and I, I've talked about it a number of times on the podcast, and just it, it might have just been the handful of people I did talk to and meet down there but they just were not welcoming not not like uh you know northern Virginia DC you know everyone that I've pretty much everyone that I've ever you know come in contact with in the industry you know they're always you know open to meeting and, and hanging out and grabbing a beer and just talking you know you know post and shop and you know giving tips and, and all that so uh I do think you know no matter where you are you know networking is you know vital to you know getting your foot in the door yeah definitely I mean it's good to hear about that about DC because I'm actually interested eventually I'm from that area so I'm interested eventually in going back and trying to network there as well so it's good to hear it's not 
an unfriendly city because I'd be scared to go back then. All right. So you have a website up and I think having a website is besides networking, it's like the next most important thing for an editor to have when they're getting their foot in the door. Uh, was it difficult for you to set up your website? It wasn't actually. I I kind of shopped around uh, the websites. I'm not like the biggest coder. I actually did take some coding in college, but I, I didn't really learn how to code a website. So I was interested in like using something that was really friendly and easy. And there's a lot of websites out there for that. Um, and Wix, I thought was great. It was really easy to set up. I tinkered with it forever and kind of eventually came to the design I'm using now. Like it took me a while to get to something that I really liked and I'm always changing it. But yeah, no, it wasn't hard and it was a lot of fun. I really liked doing it. Yeah, when I was in school, I had this iWeb website. Uh, I don't even think iWeb is still around anymore. Like Apple made oh, I've it. I've never heard of it. Yeah, so <laughs> Apple made it. It like came on your, you know, uh, PowerBook G5. You know, it's an old laptop. Don't worry about it. Um, and I had a, another editor in class, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I made mine using iPage and I use this like he, you know, random whatever FTP thing to like upload it. And so he showed me exactly how to do it. And I said, okay. So I made my own website and I had it up for, you know, uh, my whole college and, and early after college career. And back then, you know, the, the, it was kind of difficult to set up a website and now, you know, it's so easy. You can have a website up in, you know, a couple clicks and you're up and running. I, I don't see why anybody doesn't have a website up. Like, it, it's mandatory. Yeah, it's it's really easy. I think the worst part is, like, deciding whether or not you want to spend the money on the domain. But at the end of the day, I thought it was kind of worth it. It's only, like, a yearly cost. So it's not too bad. Right, yeah. So under 100 bucks, you can have your website yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, and for being able to put a demo reel up and like, contact information up, like, that $100 investment will be able to land you your... $50,000 job, $50,000 a year job out of college. You know? Yeah. And I think people like whether or not your website is the best in the world, I think people see that you care about what you do and that you're going to put the effort into it. And that's kind of what's important. And they can see what you have, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, my website, it was awful. I think I've screen <laughs> I've screenshots of it somewhere. Uh, and it was just like a headshot and like kind of like what I stood for. And it had, you know, links to a couple videos. Um, and this was before, like, you couldn't, like, embed YouTube videos into your website. You had to, like, upload them to this random server thing. I don't know. It was super complicated. <laughs> and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I made it work. And, you know, I think uh, it served me well so far. So as far as your website up, you also have your demo reel up on there. And something about your demo reel that I love, that I feel like is a no-brainer, is that at the very end... You have your contact information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I was actually, I, I saw a couple other demo reels by accident today of some other editors looking for work. And uh, the two of them, neither of them had their contact information on there. And I just felt like that's such a no brainer. Yeah, I feel like, it, you know, because not everyone comes through your demo reel via their your email or your website. Like they could just get the link somehow, like someone could send it to them. So, yeah, that's definitely important. That feels like something you should just have anywhere you can put it. Honestly, you might as well put it there. Right. And uh, speaking of, uh, you know, having your demo reel in different places, uh, you have yours pinned to your Twitter profile, which I think is a really good idea. Yeah, I thought that might be fun. I just thought if you're if someone's coming to see my Twitter, like not only if they're interested, they can see, you know, the kind of work that I do, but also that I'm an editor. That's important to me. Yeah. Um, so let's rewind back to school for a minute. Uh, I think I skipped over this uh, question I had pinned for you. Um, so what you're learning at school, do you feel like 
Like there's anything that you, you should be learning that you aren't compared to like your experience in the field so far? I think a big thing is just understanding. I mean, this is hard to teach. I feel like as far as what you learn in school sometimes can't be replaced with actual experience. That's definitely true. And I think a big thing for me is just understanding like the quote unquote rules of the industry and which is that there aren't any rules. And that's really something you have to come through by just doing the work and getting to know people and talking to them about it. And, you know, also just understanding how to build professional relationships with other editors and understanding what networking is all about, because they can talk to you about that in school and tell you that it's important, but it, they, it's really hard to teach that as a, as a skill, I think. Yeah, so something that I know that, that I don't see being taught in school is just like building those relationships, you know, f- over long periods of time and being able to count on those people later on down the road and I I didn't learn any of that in school you know I saw it my dad is a small business owner not in the video industry at all not even in creative work at all but you know he had a small business and I saw him you know connecting with people and working working with other people not necessarily Mm -hmm. you know working with massive companies because that's not ever what you do even if you work for National Geographic or uh, you know, Food Network or, or whoever, like you're not working necessarily for a company, you're working with other people. And those, you know, interpersonal relationships are so gosh darn important. And, you know, that stuff isn't really being taught in school. I don't feel like. It's, yeah, it's funny you say that actually, because I have a very similar experience. My father is also a small business owner in the refrigeration industry, actually. And I sort of learned the same thing from him, just understanding that it's the interpersonal relationships that are going to really matter at the end of the day more than, you know, relationships with companies, because those are the people that are going to tell other people about you and introduce you to other new people at different companies. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think you nailed that one. Uh, so your editing rate for freelancing, I think that that's a topic people are always interested in, you know, figuring out your rate, how much you charge. Um, have you cross that bridge yet or is it kind of like a project by project basis I'm definitely still on the bridge I would say (laughs) it's something that's kind of scary and when you're first going into freelancing like I am I feel like I've really only just started it's understanding like how to price yourself and having the confidence to do it is what's really hard I, I think I sort of have a rate right now that I tell people but I always let them know that I'm very much up to negotiation for negotiation because I'm a newer editor in the freelancing world. So yeah, I have like a starting rate and I don't, I try not to go under that number. I think it's important to have a number you won't go under, or if you're going to go under it, have some sort of like condition that you'll, you know, you'll do something, they'll do something else for you in return. Right, exactly. So I mean, my, my base rate, you know, and, and all right, caveat, you know, I've been doing this now for a while and I'm just now comfortable like saying like, my rate is which is my rate is $65 an hour for pretty much everything and I've talked about it before on the show whatever a couple episodes ago uh and there's definitely like a range so yeah I charge 65 an hour but there's definitely like a like a 45 to 85 range um Mm -hmm. that that'll adjust based on who it's for like if I know they can afford and they pay $85 an hour I'm gonna charge them that but if I want to do the work and I feel like, you know, the work is either for a good cause and they can't necessarily afford it, or I feel like, you know, this work will 
bring me a lot better work in the future, sure, I'll drop down to that $45 range. Right. I'm also learning about uh, sort of the pros and cons of flat rates and project rates because um, in the more amateur side of freelance editing, there's a lot of that, especially for um, students and student films. And that can be like you can really get screwed sometimes. So I'm, I'm very much understanding how to protect myself against going halfway through a project and then being dumped and then not getting any of the money that I was sort of counting on. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I've never <laughs> had that type of bad experience. I know I know Nick has had uh, a couple of bad experiences like working on like a flat rate film or a flat rate like large project and the project just you know blow the scope just gets blown out of the water but then you're stuck because you know you said you do this project and they're only paying you whatever a thousand dollars but you've been working on it for two months uh right yeah exactly. what are you gonna do yeah i i've also and something they actually did uh, talk about in my class, which is really nice. One of my professors is super open to conversations about what it's really like working in the industry and freelancing. And he was the one that was sort of like, here's a copy of like kind of what I use as my deal memo, you know, obviously don't use this exact one, but sort of understand like what people are putting into their deal memos and what you're negotiating with. So you don't get screwed on, you know, a bunch of things that you don't even think about until it happens to you. Yeah, no, I think it's great that you have, you know, professors who are like, you know, still in the field and doing that side work and are open to sharing that stuff with you. So you have a ambitious reading challenge that I'm jealous of. Can you talk, <laughs> talk a bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, every year I've been doing this because Goodreads is I love Goodreads. And um, if you read, you probably know what Goodreads is, but they have like a little reading challenge you can set up for yourself. Sorry, were you going to say something? If you don't read a lot and you don't know what Goodreads <laughs> is, are, can, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, it's um it's a website where they basically have, it's a huge like uh, catalog of every book. And I think you users can like submit books to be put on there, sort of like a Wikipedia of books. And um, users can also like rate and review books and it all sort of puts those together so you can see ratings of books, but it's it's hugely used, so it's a big deal for authors to have their book on there and for people to rate them. And basically they let you set like a reading challenge and you can see what your friends are doing and how many books they've um, read. But for this year I've set, what did I say? I think, <laughs> I think 50, 60? 60, yes, because last year I said 55 and I read 57. So I was like, I could probably read three more books this year. But yeah, I've been I, I set that challenge for myself. I love to read. That's like a really big thing for me. I, as an editor, I storytelling is like really important and I get a lot from reading books in that way. Are there any books in particular this year or recently that you've read that you're kind of that have been useful for, you know, your editing career so far? Um, not so much I can think of like specifically. I was actually looking at my reading list trying to think of something when, you know, you sent me this question. And there aren't any, you know, in particular that are like editing books, but I definitely read a lot of like fantasy novels. I read a lot of um nonfiction essay books. So just trying to get all kinds of voices in my head. I get that sounds <laughs> like I'm crazy, but <laughs> you know, just hearing all kinds of different voices, like a diversity of voices is important to me as someone who wants to tell stories that don't feel like they're all coming from one place. And I think as an editor, you have to be really flexible as a storyteller and sort of adhere to the story that you're telling. And so I try to read all kinds of different books. Yeah, a cu couple of years on the job, trust me, the, the voices in your head, they'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. 
so and you also have a podcast and a video series. I do. I just started this um, with my boyfriend. Actually, we wanted we both always have wanted to do a podcast. And it's also something I think would be fun as like a editing challenge for me, because as someone who has to learn how to work with audio, I thought it would be good to do. So we started this at the beginning of this year. And it's basically a podcast on cooperative gaming. And so we play a game together. And every episode is a game experience that we're having. And as a side part of that, we're also trying to do like videos of us playing those games as well. And we, we just started. So we only have like two episodes up right now, but we have six recorded and we're still we're still working on it. Awesome. It's a lot of fun. What's it called? It's called Saves Together. Saves Together. Yeah. Cool. And we are on iTunes. So if you're interested in video gaming, <laughs> check us out. <laughs> yeah. So but like all these things that you're doing, um, you know, the side work, the internships coming on this podcast, having your own podcast and video series, like it all kind of like rounds you out and the reading challenge included, like it rounds you out to be like a really good, you know, future employee one day. And I feel like other editors who are, are in your position, who are entering the workforce soon, like they need to they need to follow your example because I think you're nailing like everything. Oh, my gosh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think as someone who's like trying to climb up the ladder, so to speak, and find my way, it can be really like hard just knowing that you're doing the right thing. But I think it's you should keep it fun, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I did the podcast and. That's why I'm doing other things because I still want it to be fun, even if it sometimes makes me anxious. Like, oh God, am I going to have a job one day? I don't really know, but I hope so. <laughs> yes, you will. You will definitely have a job one day. Don't worry about that. Somebody, uh, a company, will be lucky to have you one day. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. So, where do you want people to find you and connect with you? I am on Twitter. My username is Grace Novak TV, so you can definitely connect with me on there, and also my site gracenovak.com has like my email and contact information if you're interested in talking to me that way but definitely on twitter is a more like casual place yes great and we will put everything in the show notes and put it up on the website um and i let nick handle all that stuff i just type it all up for him and awesome. he handles it so uh so yeah anyway grace thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thank you for having me this was a lot of fun Thank you so much once again, Grace, for joining us on the show. Uh, listeners, she is on Twitter at Grace Novak TV, and Novak is spelled N O V A K, and her website, GraceNovak.com, and uh, that is listed in the show notes. So, guys, uh, Nick and I should be back uh, in the next episode, Reunited, once again to talk more video editing hot topics. Uh, and if there's stuff that you guys want us to talk about, let us know. You guys know the usual places to find us uh, on Gmail, um, on Twitter, on our website, on the Facebook group. You guys know all those details, and they are in the show notes, as always. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, be kind to one another. Help each other out. Uh, we do have a lonely profession at times, and uh, what, we, what we're trying to do here at Command Edit is connect us together and just build a stronger and more united video editing community all right i know you know two and a half three years in we're still working on that elevator pitch but you know it's kind of the running joke here all right guys uh let's wrap this up thank you again so much for listening i've been josh short uh you've been you uh however nick closes the show you guys get it all right see you next time
P.S. One more thing. I always forget to uh, rep this. If you guys dug the music we used uh, in this episode, you can get that over on soundstripe.com. And if you use the coupon code command edit, all spelled out, no space, uh, you get a 10% discount, I believe. All right, guys, that's it for real. Wrapping this one up. See ya. Yeah.